Hi, I'm Diane Chandler. And I'm Perry Grossman. And this is Own Your Throne. Ladies, your life is not over. You are just at the beginning of reigniting and redefining your life. And through this show, you will meet inspiring women who have recreated and redefined what it really means to thrive and age gracefully. Our guests are some of the most inspiring women on the planet. We were honored to sit down with each of them and get real about their own journeys and what it took for them to truly own their throne. Sarah Harden is the CEO of Hello Sunshine, a media brand anchored in creating content that changes the narrative for women. Alongside founder Reese Witherspoon, Harden leads Hello Sunshine's rapid growth as a premium content studio and direct-to-consumer media brand developing films, scripted and unscripted television series, digital series, podcasts, live events, and more under a singular mission to prioritize and elevate female authorship and female-driven stories from an inclusive, wide-ranging set of storytellers. I'm just so happy that you're here with us, Sarah, and, and giving us a perspective. I mean, you truly are a powerhouse. And I want to tell our listeners... So, yes, you were the CEO of Reese Witherspoon's production company, Hello Sunshine. But prior to that, you were the president of Otter Media, a joint venture between AT&T and the Chernin Group. You've launched global video services with a variety of media companies such as Fullscreen, Crunchyroll, Gunpowder, and many, many more. And by the way, increase their revenue by millions and trillions of dollars. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you were already trillions, a major, trillions, trillions, <laughs> trillions and trillions. And I mean, trillions. you know, you were a powerhouse already in this media uh, venture. And then you chose to work with Reese and become the CEO of Hello Sunshine. Why did you make the change and why did you exclusively start working with the company? Because I know you originally with the parent company of one of many things that you were investing in. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the story of a lot of things I've done where I'm, I'm, I'm in the right position at the right time and things, some of the best things have happened quite organically. And I, and I think when I, we were running on a media, our, our you know, vision was to build sort of next generation media brands and and Reese came in with this pretty fully formed idea around Hello Sunshine. And it was the next step, I think, in the evolution of her work. And, you know, at the time we had, we'd been building services, Crunchyroll, an anime brand, Rooster Teeth, a comedy and gaming brand, and they're pretty malfocused. And we'd actually spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what is a, what is a storytelling led brand for women? We thought there was room for a direct consumer brand in that space, but we hadn't, we'd spent a couple of years, we'd looked at some, assets to acquire to try and build it and so I think when Reese came in it was like very fallow ground in my thinking mm -hmm. and and our thinking as a company and it sort of went from there and I, I actually I sat with her I remember one Saturday and she talked about the vision that she had for Hello Sunshine and it was that feeling of um you know this is just the right thing mm. at the right time and, and I think you know I think a lot of media companies you know, I definitely felt that it's hard to build them from scratch. Mm -hmm. You need, you know, if you look at, um, you know, you need assets, you need content, you need or a lot of funding. And I think the sort of venture model of building media focused brands is pretty tough. And I think what I saw in Reese was, which is why we'd been looking at, could we buy a smaller company and grow it from there? And I think when I met Reese, I realized, you know, we weren't starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. She it was an outgrowth of her years of being a producer. Um, you know, it also really struck me. It was, she had a really mission led approach to building it. And 
um, and a deep commitment. And it wasn't about her. It was really, um, and so we just saw the white space and the market opportunity. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was about putting, creating storytelling across the platforms where women are actually spending their time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not only putting women at the center of those narratives, and they were absent in so many cases, but also how do we fix the structural silencing of women and other otherized voices? Right. Um, right. Intersectional and voices that had been absent from storytelling, the belief that those two things were connected, like the market's so competitive. If we're gonna create content that's resonating with consumers, it's just you can't do it with inauthentic authorship. And right. And so with that, like we, we started the company, I was her investor uh, through Otter. And um, I was like the world's most involved board member. I mean, the first employee <laughs> was someone who yeah. worked on my team. And, you know, I wasn't in a position, you know, Otter was at that time, we had 1400 employees um, across three or four companies. It was, and, and we just sort of got lucky. And what I would say is it just in that time, we started a, a process of selling Otter, which no one knew, which took a long time, took a year. Mm. Um, and I was sort of helping get it off the ground and helping hire the first few people. And it got to a point in that year, and I really remember, it was a really tough year. I was <laughs> managing the sale process quietly with big diligence teams and and then going to this little tiny, Hallie's Lunch had started actually in my office, but it, we moved it to a little like we work type thing with four or five people. And I just remember going, I'd go to the the, the, the Hallie's Lunch temporary office in the morning for a few hours. And then at lunchtime, I would drive to my Otter office and I remember driving one day and feeling the difference in my energy. About, mm. and, and I had the dream job at Otter. I mean, I loved everything I did there, but mm -hmm. I, I noticed one day going, oh, this feels different. And it, the timing just worked out. And so, you know, Otter ended up selling to at t We knew what that was happening and it was the right time for me to, and I just, I became, the, I sort of was the shadow CEO and the quiet CEO for a year while I was doing both jobs. And then I stepped in as full-time CEO in, in January of 2018. Why I was doing both major jobs. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. So, so I read that the, well, I know this about, about this company, Hello Sunshine, is that it's, it's really about sharing the storytelling from a, a narrative of women. And does your company have mostly women that work there as well? It is, I think we're, you know, we talk about authorship really fully. And I think when you talk about how do you build an authentically mm -hmm. authored brand and company, it starts with who's on our board. Mm -hmm. um, it's then who's, you know, who are our employees. And then we think about who's in our writer's rooms on a project, who are above and below the line. People, who are we hiring? We, we are a majority-owned female company. We've got a we work very hard to build a diverse team. And mm -hmm. I think we're thoughtful. We're in a few things well business. You know, I think right. it's just hard to make any great piece of content. This mm -hmm. market's so crowded, whether it's a podcast yeah. or a television show or a film. And so I think we're very thoughtful. You know, books sit at the center of everything we do, mm -hmm. and that was one of the first decisions. And in the early days of the company, you know, as we we're getting our slate rolling, it takes, you know, it takes time to develop some of those bigger properties. I think one of the first decisions we made was, was Reese around Reese's book club and really tentpoling that, you know, Reese was already, she's a fast, voracious, voracious reader. Yeah. Serious yeah. reader. Yeah. So we just said, let's pick, let's just pick a book in the first week of every month and build, you know, that's the cura curatorial expression mm -hmm. of our mm -hmm. brand voice. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, um, but yeah, we're, we're, um, our goal is to, I think, lift up intersectional authorship. And mm -hmm. so while it's female centered, it also, how do we involve 
otherized voices, whether that's um, people of color, LGBTQ, disabled mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. voices who just haven't had access. And it's just a, it just makes incredible business sense too. Mm -hmm. I, I I love I read that um don't you guys have the rights to uh when the crawdad sings? Yeah, I mean that's oh, a great that book. A, my favorite. Well, I mean, if you think about we picked that book on its published date. I, I love everything about crawdads. And you mm -hmm. know, Delia Owens, first time fiction author in her sixties. And that book I think represents a career as a mm -hmm. naturalist as well. Mm -hmm. And um we look we 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 picked that we loved it reese loved it i mean she really does pick the books i get asked all the time she really does pick the, book, pick the books we all read that book and just fell in love with it that's and a good see what a juggernaut that's become so yeah we we um that's going to be a feature film you know i think we're obviously in this world of covid but mm -hmm. as soon as we can get into production you know we're excited to get moving on that sometime in the next year and i just proved to show that you know here this author is 60 when she came out with her project so it's never yeah. too late Oh, Never wow. too late to, to I create a something. That book. It's sold, yeah, I don't know, four or five million copies. Oh, it's Huge. it's it's amazing. So is that well, where you guys get a lot of your content then from the book, the book clubs? And then is that out of the books that you choose? Is that how you create? You well, know, we, we we actually we kind of treat them editorially separately. Like mm -hmm. if we love a book enough to pick up a book club, if Reese loves it enough, we mm -hmm. will certainly consider it for film and television adaptation and. But we, we don't marry those two. And yeah. so, you know, we don't want to just be making film and TV shows just from our books. And many times we'll pick a book that someone has already optioned, you know, such mm -hmm. a fun age. Um, Kylie Reid's book that we picked this January, Lena Waif had optioned that already pre-published. And, and a lot of books are, op are optioned for film and television mm -hmm. and pre-publishing. And so quite often we're picking books that other people, which we love. And, and so because we have a singular mission, you know, we will look at it, but some books are great book picks and, and don't make good film and television adaptations for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think as you look at things like Little Fires Everywhere was a pick, a book we picked. Yeah. And, and so look, books are really central. I think a lot of our film and television slate is option material from great authors and yeah. storytellers. Mm -hmm. yeah. We do develop original ideas as well, but I, I, I think our primary there's um, so much incredible content, content. by such distinctive storytellers. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Well, I know you and Reese have uh, had the intention of creating a narrative, not only for women, but also people of color. And considering all that's going on with COVID right now, are you going to focus on any anti-racism storytelling in particular? I mean, I know the book of the month, uh, uh, book of this month is Austin, Austin Channing, Channing, yes, yeah. who we love. We've been reading her book mm -hmm. and having these conversations do you feel that those topics are, are even more important to talk about now? Oh, look, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, embedded in our mission is to elevate intersectional authorship. And so mm -hmm. I think it's never felt more important or urgent. And, yeah. you know, all the conversations like how do we do more? How do we be better? Mm -hmm. I think there's a real examination of, of unconscious biases. And, right. and at the end of the day, we're talking about structural racism. And right. so... Mm -hmm. I think to address structural racism, you've got to go address uh, inequitable structures. And so I think for us, you know, I think, you know, Little Fires Everywhere was an intentional choice mm -hmm. for exploring, you know, we started working on that project three years ago, exploring issues of race and mm -hmm. class and, and motherhood. And um, I mean, it's it's turned out to be very timely and beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you think about the authorship team behind that, you know, with Reese and Kerry Washington as producers, an incredible writer's room and a, a writer's room that should be the writer's room that writes 
these stories. And I mean, those scripts were just incredible. Mm -hmm. And from a book by Celestine, and so that's, I mean, that's one example, but I think if you look across our slate, it's incredible. We, we can't be committed to telling and elevating distinctive voices without front and centre. Um, Absolutely. Uh, looking to elevate, you know, people of colour and other people who, who who have been structurally left out of key parts of the of the business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it it's something across what we do. It's funny, Reese and I would just chat this morning because she taped an incredible conversation. We did a video piece with Austin last week. We just mm-hmm. talked about how incredible it was and mm-hmm. we're waiting to see the edit for it. It's just oh, for right. our Reese's Book Club handles. But, I mean, that's a book... You know, I read that about a year ago and it's been, mm. you know, she's, she's just an incredible storyteller. And, incredible. And totally. Yeah. So timely. And yes. I, yeah. So you were sharing, just to pivot a little bit, I was reading where you said, and I love this, about when people would tell you how much their companies were worth or they would say, we'd have this many Facebook followers or we'd have, and, and it was all based on like numbers. And what you said is it's so much more about the connection and that you're having with your audience and how you're nurturing the people that are following you or the people that are mm-hmm. on with your platform or, mm-hmm. or watching your movies or in your book clubs. And I thought that was such a profound way to look at it. And to me, it does feel like a female way of looking at things <laughs> and in terms of nurturing and connection and how important that is really to grow your, to grow your business from a grassroots up. And so can you speak a little bit to that? Look, I think there was some, you know, I think when, Gosh, the fortune of when Reese and I first sat down together and saying, how would we start and build a company that's architected for the next media age, right? And I think we were coming off a media age that was about these big volume video publishers, right? And, mm-hmm. and ad-supported businesses. And that wasn't a business that we were going to build with any advantage. I think what what we saw and what I certainly saw in the work that I'd done in previous companies was, you know, building building a passion-led media brand Mm -hmm. that really meant something to people (laughs) and building that distinctively and that we had an opportunity to do that and so I think we said let's we're going to measure you know about about influence and engagement and passion Mm -hmm. and and also was a business decision because again we didn't want to build a business that was based on ad supported revenues either and so they're the metrics we look at I mean I think the thing I'm proudest of is our influence in the book business and it's really Reese's influence in the book business around mm-hmm. I mean nothing is better I will tell you the letters that we get from authors mm-hmm. and the discussions you have with authors that mm-hmm. you know these are they're such worthy voices mm-hmm. and you know the marketplace is crowded and I think for the ability for us to spotlight 12 times a year to say you know see if options you have in media you know consider this book and people know what to expect from Reese although there's a lot of variety because your reading taste really varies mm-hmm. which is so we're, great we're super mm-hmm. we're super proud of that and and we don't make money directly from that but it, it does obviously the more that we can influence that and build a trusted editorial voice that when we go do things like support the launch of little fires everywhere on Hulu you know, we've had an audience that for two and a half years has has heard us talking about Little Fires. Yeah. They, when we picked the book mm-hmm. and yeah. we talked about it selling a million copies and, you know, we were posting during production and then sharing short form video pieces. So you build that trust and dialogue and, and, you know, it's an observation. The great media brands, as we look at you, you can't build brand love too quickly. It's hard. You yeah. Hard. That it's brick hard. by brick. And so we yeah. see every social post is a... In, it's a way to build um, yeah. build brand love and build intentionally. It's, we take a 10-year view for how we build our brand presence and 
And then, you know, we have a singular promise. So everything we do, whether it's a podcast or an unscripted show or a social post ladders up to the same promise. Mm. So how do you see the business changing in the next 20 years? And where do you think the media business is going to be going? I mean, I've I've read that when you're talking about building the architecture of a company, you have to look ahead. And looking ahead, I mean, I can't even imagine looking ahead five months, much less, you know, <laughs> 20 like years. years. Exactly. How do you see it changing? Because you've been in business for a while and seen all these changes that you've uh, experienced in your in your career. Yeah, look, I think we're in a shift as you've seen that shift happening over the last 10 years, which is just a shift to the consumer. You know, consumers have a lot of control and a lot of choices for how to spend their time. And Mm -hmm. so if you look at the shift from, and look, even in a world that was dominated by premium cable, a consumer could still decide what to watch, but, you know, the first gatekeeper was the cable operator, right? And so you had to get your programming on a channel on a cable operator, you now have, whether it's a streaming service and whether you have YouTube and over the top and free ad supported ways to get your content and you're competing for attention with TikTok and and Snapchat and podcasts and books. And and so look, I think if you've got to start, and I I really learned this from working with Pete Urchin and, and, you know, with a deep respect for consumers Mm -hmm. and no cynicism about that. And so I think the, the world where, and certainly we started with Hello Sunshine, we are in, we're, we're in the premium storytelling business and some of our biggest shows, they're not things that we're financing the production for. We are making those shows as producers and as a studio for our streaming platform partner, partners um, by and large. But when we have those conversations, what we're saying is we, we're not only taking responsibility for, you know, with our partners producing a great show, whether it's, you know, the morning show, Little Fires, but we also take responsibility for helping audiences show up to their platforms. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're also mm-hmm. in a tough business yeah. getting people to yeah. subscribe. And, and so I think this is becoming a more integrated business. I think, you know, and we take on that complexity, you know, when we started the company, we call them our swim lanes, but we have a scripted television swim lane and film run by Lauren Newstatter. We have an unscripted television business. We've mm-hmm. launched a kids and animation business, our studio businesses. Then we have a social and editorial team that manage this daily, daily social storytelling. We have a brand partnerships team that work with brands who want to work with us across our business. And we have a Reese's Book Club team. Amazing. And, it's like, <laughs> Amazing. And, and even when we started, we had those six teams. Mm-hmm. And you have to, and, and I think for us is as we're building this brand, we need to be in a daily conversation, a weekly conversation, a monthly conversation mm-hmm. and, a, and a quarterly conversation. And those big tentpole shows, if you're lucky and, you know, yeah. Lauren and Reese are building a juggernaut business there. Like when we have yeah. two or three television shows this year, but, you know, that's, that's still just something you're talking about, you know, if you're lucky once a quarter or a couple mm-hmm. of times a year, but we're in the daily conversation business on social. And I think, mm-hmm. I think companies, um, I think accepting some complexity, being very thoughtful about where you invest in that and why. And in some cases, you know, our social, we don't, we don't do any like CPM based media deals. It's sort of a cost to the business. Mm -hmm. And we, we're very clear about where and how we need to make money. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it comes back to your comment at the start, which is, you know, I think one of the things we're very, you know, the conversation we've been in in the last few years about lack of access and, and even me too. And mm-hmm. it's a conversation about power mm-hmm. and, and the, the racial equity crisis that we have right now. It's really a conversation about power. And I think one of the things we took on right from the start is like, look, if we're going to build a company, we have to, we have to build a company that 
really financially responsibly Mm -hmm. um, with strong financial authorship because the only way we can keep doing what we do is, is, you know, is have the control over the company. We have incredible investors, but, um, you know, we do control the company between Reese and the management team. Mm-hmm. And so as, we, as we're building all of this, we're really mindful about, gosh, how do we stay selective in what we do? How do we mm-hmm. stay on mission? And how do we, how do we have enough power to, um, to, to keep doing what we're doing and earn right. our way into the next thing? And that just comes from like trying to do a really good job at everything we do. <laughs> well, well, you clearly do you, are. <laughs> yeah. Do you trust, because you're, you're, you're very intelligent, do you trust, and you love data, but do you trust your intuition a lot? Like, do you get hits of intuition? And or like, oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, look, it's like, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I'm not. I actually weirdly, uh, you know, I, I, I understand the economics of the business. I'm like weirdly not that much of a data person. Like, mm-hmm. I, I am in terms of really understanding where and how we make money. I mean, it's look, it's, it's, it's the, it's the. The responsibility you hold yeah. as a CEO, which is like, I mean, and I say, you know, the ultimate responsibility is, you know, I, and especially in early stage companies, it's brutal. Like you're yeah. trying to have enough of a runway to give your team the time, mm-hmm. you know, to build the business mm-hmm. and you got to stage your capital in the right way. And uh, we talk about just giving, and, you know, I believe, and again, that's another lesson I learned from Peter, like he used to always say with enough time and will you can sweat anything into Mm. greatness right but you make mistakes you don't get everything right um Mm. and so you know I'm very I'm very focused on that but the rest of it is just like look we put a stake in the ground we start this company says this is what feels like the company Mm -hmm. we've got to build we go start doing it and then you say is this still feel right? I mean, <laughs> we, we, are, right. we are executing against the plan we set out yep. a few years ago and a mm. few things have gone so much better than we thought. And mm. so cool. We've made some, you know, we've started down the track on some things and it was like, oh gosh, I don't know if it's the highest or best use of our time. And I, and I do think they're all the conversations we have. We're still a small, we're still a small company mm-hmm. and we're a few years in. And so all the conversations we have is what's the highest and best use of our time and our precious resources mm-hmm. of our teams yeah. and, well, you're, you're, um, you're clearly, I, mean, I making... wish we could do more all the time. I'm like, yeah. I wish we could do more. And I mean, we meet so many incredible creators and mm. it's agonizing to not be able to make all of the shows all of the time. Uh, I wish we could do more. Yes. Well, you're making some great decisions. Clearly. I mean, lots of successes that you've already had. How's the company doing, um, dealing with COVID-19? I mean, production is halted, but you've got more subscribers that want more content. How are you able to create content to um you know meet the demand i mean it's funny because we're in this phase now look i think we're like 17 weeks in uh, you know and i think look we've got large parts of the industry that i say are paused you know mm-hmm. we were starting we'd started back in production on morning show um we had two shows one that was actually supposed to start like you know a month ago um daisy jones and the six and we had mm-hmm. from scratch which was for netflix which was starting actually right around now and so we're paused on some of those larger productions and we're paused on our unscripted there's a lot that we have moved forward so I mean in the early days with our team I think like most people moved to remote and managing our team's phenomenal like Mm. we've been able to push forward on development I think we've innovated in some areas like on our social storytelling you know Reese was supposed to be in production on the morning show for 
you know, all of the last number of months. And so, you know, we, um, you know, we made Shine On at Home with Reese, which she's still shooting episodes of. Mm-hmm. We did a fundraiser for the independent booksellers through the Book Foundation. And so I think we've <laughs> been able to pivot it nicely. Yes. Pivot where we can. Yeah. And then, you know, I also think just recognizing we have a team of about 60 and, you know, people are all in different life situations. And then I think mm-hmm. the emotional trauma of this mm-hmm. racial equity crisis and, um, you know, even, you know, a number of employees of color, it's just been hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have people who have four kids under six on our team and okay. others who are single and have been working isolated in their apartments. And I, and so there's just, we've just been trying to manage in a deeply human way take a bit of pressure off and you know I think we've been fortunate about where this caught us we have been able to say to people you know your jobs are safe we're in a Mm -hmm. solid position as a company Mm -hmm. we're going to get through this together um we've we have onboarded and hired five or six people who've started since the crisis happened there were hires that we had planned that we continue to move forward with we actually got a staff meeting this morning and we welcomed a new hire this morning that's fantastic but you know I think it's hard to plan for, um, you know, it's hard to plan for a going know. back into production when we don't really know when that is. I mean, weirdly, we were moving offices and I told people in our a great office in Santa Monica, we were looking for a larger office. And I told people today, look, we're probably not going back to our old office. I think if, if and when we go back to an office, it will probably be a new office. No one ever expected that. And, um, and so... I think we're just trying to be very, we manage pretty transparently, pretty openly, mm. trying to manage very yeah. humanly and just, um, and acknowledge. That's really, really what I'm getting from you is the people. humanity and all of it, which is really, really refreshing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We're a little curious yeah. about your personal, uh, <laughs> life in that, uh, <laughs> now we're going to really no. talk. No, 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 no. How, so you're from Australia. How did you come from, am, you know, Australia yeah. to here? But even before we go there, Diana and I were talking last night. We thought, what kind of childhood did she have? Who were her mentors? Who were her parents mm-hmm. to create this woman, you know, who you, you're you so intelligent and compassionate and you have this drive. And we found from a lot of women that we've spoken to that it really came from childhood. It came from somebody in their childhood that gave them that. So who was that for you? You know, I feel, I feel really blessed. I grew up in a pretty a small town in Australia of a few hundred thousand people outside Melbourne. And I come from an amazing family, a, a big family, a big Catholic family. My mom was one of seven. My dad was one of five. And I have like, I mean, as a photo, I have like 35. <laughs> like, I mean, they're all just wow. amazing people. <laughs> you know I, I was very I was very fortunate you know I'm 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 the eldest the joint eldest I have a twin brother of five siblings I think you know I was I, I was my parents prioritized education um you know divorced when I was quite young or probably 10 or 11 or 12 and a great relationship with both my parents so both really my dad was a mm-hmm. like an entrepreneur in a small town <laughs> and um and my mom she wasn't you know, she was, it was interesting. Um, she was an intensive care nurse for a lot of her life. And then after her divorce, she went back and started a real mm. estate practice with her, one of her brothers. And then she died oh. when I was 23, she was 46 years old. And, um, and I was, you know, I, I had an incredible education in the town that I was in. It was a, it has a, had a wonderful private boarding school. And my brother and I went there as all my, mm. all my 
siblings went there as sort of day kids. I went to Melbourne University. I ended up weirdly being hired by Boston Consulting Group. I was a Bachelor of Arts. I wanted to be a journalist. And, um, and I got hired as this like experimental, like hire it from BCG as an art student because they were mostly hiring commerce and other graduates. And it was terrifying. I mean, I remember I, I had Vox that I didn't unpack for six months in my office because oh. I was so sure I was going to be fired, mm, like yeah. complete imposter syndrome. I think what I, I really did well in consulting. And I think part of it was I was great with clients. I, I had to learn all of the finance. I mean, I didn't know any of it. And my first client was an actuary. I like, oh my goodness, no finance. <laughs> in Australia, it was awful. But I was very fortunate. And, you know, during that time, it was very formative period. I had incredible mentors. I learned a ton. I worked, I just, I came from a, like the full mm. Catholic work ethic in my family. Like yeah. they all just work hard. And, um, and I got lucky and I got a, you know, I think my, my mum died and then I got an opportunity to a lot of the, the path in those early consulting firms. I encourage you to apply to go to business school. And I applied and I got into Harvard. I'm an Australian government scholarship and I turned, you know, I, I was incredibly fortunate and I left with a couple of suitcases. I remember landing in Boston, my mum had, you know, and I, I really went for two or three years. I, I love Australia. I love my family. And I thought, well, I'll go for a couple of years for business school and I'll work in the US for a couple of years and get experience. Yeah. And I've never lived back in Australia. Um, and, you know, I met my husband and I, and, you know, <laughs> now I've got three children. I, I still have a, I have a, when my mum died, my brothers and I that year, um, we sold our family home and we bought a small beach house in, a, in an even smaller town that I really grew up in. And, and so I, I go back there every summer. My, I mean, I have 10 or 11 oh, family members have houses so within three streets. It's wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. And yeah. And I look, I do think there's, I remember, I remember when my mom dying thinking this is the worst thing that could have happened to me and now it's happened. And I think there was mm -hmm. a little bit of fearlessness that came from that. And I, in the same way, I think, look, if everything all goes mm -hmm. wrong and pear-shaped, um, I can always go home to my family and um, and I'm, I'm very connected with with my siblings and with my aunts and uncles. I have surrogate, I have like Aww. seven surrogate mothers in my aunts. And, um, such a, such a support system, right? Yes. It's really, it isn't that what matters at the end of the day, yeah. right? Family. So, Yeah. I mean, they do love now... It's funny. I used to try and explain to them in previous jobs what I did. And they were always like, what is this, like, otter and everything. I think it's now. It's like they, they like how they're like, oh, my God, you make film and TV shows. I'm like, well, I actually don't. I mean, yeah. like, teams who do that. But so, you're still the boss. You're you still the, the boss, boss of that. You are the boss. So did you, have you been right. on the West Coast then since yeah. you graduated from Harvard or did you... You know, I, I was, I was, I went to San Francisco after Boston um, and then to move to LA and then I moved to Hong Kong for five years. I, I worked at News Corp and then, you know, I have to say I had my, I had three children in the middle of that and that was like working. It was really hard. And um, mm -hmm. I was on maternity with my third child and I was like, I don't want to, I'm not an LA media executive. I'm an international person. I don't want to raise you my are. children in LA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Children and I, but I had an opportunity to go to Hong Kong, which I did for five years, which was my kids were six, four and 12 weeks when I moved to Hong Kong. And I had an incredible experience there. And I honestly went there thinking that that's where I would work for 15 years and then I'd move back to Australia. But, you know, yeah, you I, one thing led to another and, and working in this otter role with, with Peter, who I'd worked with at, News Corp brought me back to LA and now I'm very, very an, an LA resident. Well, you know, we were also discussing how 
Yeah. You've been working in a, essentially a man's world early days. I mean, all of this yeah. is seems to be new. You're here. You are able to work, you know, as a female in a in a more female centered family company. And so I automatically said family, family. with with, with exactly. female stuff. That's so funny. But um, how was that for you working in a in a male centered field? Where how were you able to balance your children and your family life? And here you are, you know, maternity leave. Did you have a hard time with the boys in Silicon Valley? And they're like, okay, she's pregnant, and you know, is she going to perform as well as she does? And how was that for, for you in those days compared to now? You know, it's so interesting looking back mm-hmm. at with a different lens. And I was, I was incredibly fortunate at the time when I, in who I worked for. I had never, until working with Reese, I, yeah. I've only ever reported to Ben. I've been in predominantly male teams. News Corp was a very positive experience for me. I mean, I, throughout my career, I've had all of the, I've had the negatives, I like some really negative experiences and, but at critical points, I had incredible, not just male mentorship from bosses, but I had full sponsorship. But I will say it came at a great personal cost. I mean, I think I just worked, I just worked my ass off and mm-hmm. I didn't let yeah. stress show. I, I would say I, so I, you know, I feel like I spent 10 years doing it all and trying to do it all. And mm-hmm. it was, it was really difficult. And, you know, it's funny, I, I've got three children. My middle child was born, he had a bunch of health issues and, I, I had incredible support from from my um, my bosses at the time, but I was also a dream employee. I look back on it and I think, wow, I showed up, I did the work, I would do it mm. from 11 o'clock at night to one in the morning. I kept my commitments. I hit my deadlines. I was like, you know, I, mm. I made yeah. it easy. <laughs> um, and I was so fortunate. My first child, I went to a breastfeeding support group for working mothers when Mm. my first daughter was five weeks old at the pump station in LA and I met five women and our kids were all the same ages and they they got me through we were all working we went back to work at different times we were all stressed out about going back to work Mm -hmm. and how pump Mm -hmm. and when you saw your breast no 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 (laughs) it was like and, you know, and I, I had to go to Japan. I remember my first daughter when she was four months old and I was exclusively You were FedExing. Oh, my goodness. Back. And, I mean, it was like <laughs> what I did. I was just a lunatic. You made it work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but mm. those those women kept me and they still, I, I mean, one of them is my, mm. you know, I talk to her almost every day and our children are both 16. And um, and so they, they that support system, um, but I, I've been... I've been very fortunate. And then at key points in my career, I had, I had bosses who actively sponsored me for mm. jobs and brought me in the room. And, uh, and I was very, so I was very fortunate. How, how do you deal with stresses, not only in your business life, but in your personal life? What keeps you going? Well, I will say, I, I think my mental health has been saved in COVID. Like I literally, I walk for an hour every morning and I, it's been, you know, I, I think I've always, been pretty active like but but I actually I haven't even had the fortitude to run and I I've run I've run marathons but I I get up in the morning I listen to podcasts I will take my dog out and it's just my mental health that's a huge part of it I think staying trying to stay has been amazing I have to say my guilt as a working mother my guilt as a working mother for 15 years I feel like if nothing else you know I'm gonna have four months of Mm. like 
family dinner every night and when I'm not rushing off to an evening event or I can't quite make it home before my kids just get too hungry and start without me that's been a gift one of my friends when my daughter when I think my second child was born I was like running ragged on the weekends and she said oh we have a rule I need one thing a day on the weekends if we get invited to birthday parties <laughs> yeah. we go to one smart we do one thing <laughs> And we started implementing that rule to keep our weekend lives simpler. And sometimes I'd be like, so we, we're pretty, we like to hike as a family. I play a lot of Uno right now with my kids. I mean, I'm just, I just, I'm hung. I've been, and that keeps me just finding ways to stay connected with my kids. It's very hard during the week. And typically in a non-COVID time, it's great right now. And I'm just trying to find that blessing but look walking walking with my dog exercising I've really tried at different times to try and yeah I was gonna yeah mindfulness practice and sometimes it's just 10 minutes of breathing I have a couple of like um when I find myself getting really stressed mm-hmm. out and it's been tough it's been tough the last few months has been really tough mm-hmm. and the summer mm-hmm. is tough like I'm like you know I don't want my kids to be on screens too much yet i'm on nine hours <laughs> it's of so hard today. i mean like, how do you keep your sons <laughs> off of like we were talking about gaming you know right and, and because they're home they yeah. can't, there's not that many things they can go do especially if california gets locked down again right and so there's that it's yeah. it's yeah. it sounds to me from what you're saying and i feel the same way we've talked a lot about this it's like there's these blessings in covid for family time right where you're getting to have the dinner and you're getting to hang out and 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 take time for a little bit of time for yourself and your family and then there's the other side you know so you're working from home and i mean the enormous privilege of Mm -hmm. like the economic disruption Mm -hmm. that you see around us and um of you know right having a home i know i would that you know i'm employed and i know i mean it's very humbling and and i think the deep sense of responsibility that, you know, I mean, I, I, you do feel, and it's one of the things we're talking about, we feel a deep sense of responsibility in our company and as individuals to do more. And I think it's, it's also doubly frustrating that, you know, the economic engine mm-hmm. of a lot of what's going yeah. on is, is really paused right now. And, and, and the fears of, you know, I mean, the, the real fears around mm-hmm. this pandemic as well. Oh like yes, I, well that's country, a whole but... other discussion. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How? What, I mean, you're looking yeah. back on this and going through. I mean, it's been going on one, about four months now. Mm-hmm. Do you have a spiritual practice? I do. I mean, I'm very. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm. I was raised as a Catholic. It's funny. I, my husband and I were raised in the same way. We had one Catholic parent and then one mm-hmm. kind of agnostic to atheist parent and you know I've also lived in Asia and so you know I do I'm like you know I'm a Christian and I would say I've gone up and Mm -hmm. down in my church going over my lives over my life you know I have a daily stillness practice and I think that for me is really important and most days it's five to ten minutes honestly it's a struggle and I think that really Mm -hmm. that really anchors me um but that's probably the most consistent. Um, that's the most consistent practice I have, and is, and in my mm-hmm. walking too, I do yep. walking meditations as well. Um, and just, 
and I, it's look, it's as much a mental health practice. I don't. I, yes. It's like it's it's as much. Yeah, a mental health absolutely. Practice. By the way, no. yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and and, and yeah. I think that's what I was. You know, before I wanted to have you answer that question first because when you think back on these past four months, what has been your biggest takeaway of the lesson learned for you and for your family? Look, there's immense gratitude. Look, I think we're in a, I'm in a conversation with my very active conversation. I mean, I've politically very active 16 year old and I have, you know, we have a conversation about white privilege and racism really actively right now. I look, I think, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just a practice of like immense gratitude. Um, you know, I have a family member who was diagnosed very, very early in the first weeks of COVID and he's Mm. totally fine with my twin brother. Um, but like that was, so unsettling and um you know and I I think we all know family and friends who've been affected by that and I am I am both very aware of my privilege and then the responsibility and I am really fired up for the marathon that we all have to go on to build a more just a more equitable world and um you know I think we've been working on the founding mission of Hello Sunshine is like, look, we mm-hmm. storytelling can shift culture and culture can shift the way everyone gets to walk through the world. And I, and I think you just have to sign up for the fight. <laughs> and so there's a theme both in my work and in my life, which is it's all integrated too. And, you know, I am inspired. I'm incredibly inspired by young mm-hmm. people. I'm incredibly inspired by protesters I'm incredibly inspired by filmmakers. I'm just, Mm -hmm. and by the activists who have been doing this work for decades and years and while many, and so I, I, I think part of it is to that sense of passing on my children, like a set of values and a a very real conversation of where they sit in that and obligation and responsibility and the power they have as individuals even young individuals and that they have a responsibility to to use that voice mm-hmm. whether now or you know or in the future and so I, I think it's just a very active conversation that we've got to be having in our in our households and you know it's a, like yeah, a deeply traumatic time as well and trying to keep mm-hmm. a steadiness to and and I think some of those yeah. things like family dinners and others are about like predictable routines so I think you know kids who haven't like you know, my, we've mm-hmm. been fully locked down and my kids have not seen friends and um and you know it's been I think really, a time of transformation it's painful mm-hmm. I mean we are completely burning down the house mm-hmm. you know to build a new one and Diane yeah. and I are so impressed and and really humbled by the work that you and Reese and the company Hello Sunshine is doing because I do believe through storytelling we hit the masses mm-hmm. and we can give them information and teach them you know in a fun way everyone no one wants to learn necessarily in a classroom it's real yeah. life it's and life. it's also through a movie it's or a te- television show or podcast you have an opportunity to touch the masses and change the world. And that's and, what you're doing. And open conversations where you can be at your dinner table, you can be at home, you can be with your friends and have these conversations. Yeah. I mean, we watched um, one, one of your shows, I'm trying to think, the girls were all home during COVID because that's when 
um, little fires everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Or, yeah and so we watched and, and, yeah, and we had so great cool. conversation around yeah. that. And that was even before a lot of all the race, all the race protest and all yeah. that came up. What I was going to say is really what came forward for me when yeah. you were talking is the Dalai Lama had said that the women would, the Western women would change the face of the world. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear that we're in good hands with people like you. And so I just wanted to reflect that back to you because yeah. I can feel your passion yeah. and your want and desire to and commitment to changing the conversation and really to changing right. systemic racism and and all of the other marginalized people so i think that's really beautiful like true women are coming up in their leadership and it seems yeah. to be led by more values and morals and mm -hmm. really teaching america it's not just about money it's not about greed it's not about power it's power in a way where you can make changes for good and the highest good of all mm -hmm. you know and it's the, yeah, I mean, I think all that's right. And I think there's just a real mm -hmm. recognition it that it's not about us, right? Like, I, I think part of our role is, it is about, and the community of the company is, it's like finding ways to, it's like creating clear air or, or helping um, yes. shine a light on Elevate incredible the voices, yeah. voices that have always been there, right. have always been there and have been doing the work and just finding way for those voices to come through, whether that's a writer or, a, or an author or others. And I think our role is to mm -hmm. sort of stand shoulder to shoulder with them and, and, you know, use the whatever power we have to get something made or get something greenlit um, to help put, put something in the world. And I think now more than ever, we're, we're just very conscious of, you know, the few things that we could do and also just sit in right. admiration and awe at the many other other storytellers that sit around us because i think if you if you look at the conversation right now mm -hmm. about what are people watching and reading and um and taking the responsibility mm -hmm. to educate themselves to do better and be better like we're, we're well you're listening there's a power that. in listening and, you, know, you know when you have an awareness and you listen then you can create from that from what you've learned mm -hmm. and it's we're finally listening Mm -hmm. to other people other ways of life it's like yeah. the big pause of saying what are you saying i'm listening and i want to like you said stand shoulder to shoulder with you mm -hmm. so you spoke a lot about the girls when you were when you were having your children and that kind of like held you up through all of that yeah. what is do you have a girl tribe like what a friendship what is friendship to you because i think a lot of women as they get in the working world and they're working so much and they have a family do you take time to spend quality time with girlfriends and do you have a girl tribe i you know what's incredible mm -hmm. i have multiple girl tribes and you know one of the best things about COVID is funny i, I have a group of four women i went to business yeah. school with and we all live in different cities and we started doing a sunday zoom and we're doing it we've done it <laughs> we've done this for like the last few years we, we get together with girls we can we, we have a text chain yeah. we're like we're going to keep this going through COVID and and, you know, they, they were my first U.S. friends I'm, I made when I moved here and prior to being married. And, I mean, I have an incredible, I have an incredible tribe of my colleagues and in the industry. And, look, one of the greatest gifts of Time's Up was, um, you know, I, I've just met a sisterhood through that. I mean, I, I look back on my working life before mm. then and it was very isolated. I, I didn't feel, I thought my experiences were mine and not that common. And, and, I, and I think so... The last four or five years has been incredible in, um, you know, just a different group of mm -hmm. true friends that I have met 
um, whether it's, you know, and, and a lot of it was fostered by that early work in Time's Up. And, you know, I feel very fortunate in my work circles um, that I deal with. It, yeah, it is. Well, we need um, <laughs> an emotion. Yeah. And then exactly. I have my high school friends. I mean, I'm really, I'm on a WhatsApp. I mean, I'm, I'm literally, I have my Hong Kong friends and then I have my WhatsApp chain. I'm very, uh, I, I, I invest a lot. I mean, I, I don't, I, I really struggle I, in terms of time. I'm like often lagging and <laughs> right. responding to things. And But I have an incredible, I mean, my oldest group of friends are ones that I, you know, mm, I've known wow. since I was a child. And we, I'm very active with that group of friends. Well, yeah. It's really helpful. I've got a twin brother as well because he awesome. like, tells you everything going on. So as you were saying, you were talking about your friends that you've had since you're younger. And so you guys are all, I, I'm not even sure of your age, but I'll just ask like when you, you're 48. Okay. okay. I'm 48. So as you're, as you're coming yeah. into the next chapter of 50 and what is that process like yeah. for you? The ageism, and the, age, the, the word ageism. Well, just I like know. aging, like, <laughs> is, like, is it a, is it a, um, issue? Is it an issue or is it exciting? Is it? I really struggled when I turned 46. It was a year mm -hmm. more, it was the same age that my mom died. And I just, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Like every gift, mm -hmm. I think of what she missed out on. And, you know, I was, I always say I had an incredible mother and 46 years of her was a lifetime of anyone else's, but I honestly, it shifted something in me. And I think I kind of have thought of every mm, year on two years, her life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like every year is a gift. I'm so lucky. I have my health. I have, I just don't think about it very much. And I do think about it in terms of health. Like, um, you know, my mum died of melanoma, but I, that's how I think about it. And I, I also feel like it's so weird. I, and I do have that perspective. I was like, I thought my mum was old at 46. And so I look at myself and I'm like, getting, oh my God, I'm just like getting things started. And I will say, having had the last few years as a CEO, it's really humbling. I'm learning a lot. I, I certainly have a lot of aspirations for how we built the company and it's, it's hard. It's hard to build, you know, we set out to build a culture of a company that I would have like to have worked in the last 20 years it's hard it's like and so I just I feel like I've still got a lot to learn I feel um uh you know I feel like like I think my fit yes. is gonna be like my best I love life. that I love that um, I um and I just I um I just I feel really I honestly feel really less and I do not spend that so great that's such a healthy a healthy way of, of viewing age. things you know th there's another word we hear a lot from women as we're getting older and what keeps us young and keeps us engaged is the word curiosity and when mm. you keep your curiosity yeah. and building more and more in your life you really don't have time to think about it Oh, hundred percent. And I, I think that's so true. I mean, it's one of the fundamental values of our company too, is curiosity. I mean, and it's built around race. She is literally the most curious person I know about everything. I mean, it is, um, but I think that's true. And I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. I mean, you know, <laughs> call me. No. <laughs> She's on speed dial with yeah. me with my daughter. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Um, yes. Oh. yes. I haven't done that before. And, and, you know, I haven't done anything I'm doing in the company of Hello Sunshine. I have not done before cool. quite like this. And so mm -hmm. that definitely keeps me on my toes. I mean, I will say I've had like mm -hmm. off and on chronic back issues for a year. I, like that's the part that I'm 
I'm doing well right now. I've managed to avoid surgery. But that's yeah, you're like, wait, my body I'm can't annoyed. be breaking down. What's going on here? Yes. I know. Well, the walking will help. I get that. I get <laughs> that. Yes. Things hurt a little bit more than they used to be, or things drop down a little bit more than they used right. to be. It's like, <laughs> so, so I have a qu- I have one more question, yeah. and then you can finish up. Did you ever get in trouble when you were in college? <laughs> we were like, were you like, did you, were you that perfect kid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh gosh, no, no. You know what? I was pretty good. When I look back on high school, I was pretty good. No, I, I'm, um, you know, I, I look, I like to have fun. I've got a really fun, playful side. I, I have a really good sense of humor. We joke a lot at work. I'm getting that from you life. for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was, what, what did you and Reese yeah. do for fun yeah. together? Yeah. I was going to say, do you guys laugh just a laugh lot. a lot and Play. hang great. out? We like, we do, we do. You know, we've got, you have to, um, Mm-hmm. a lot of grace a lot of humor we we laugh at ourselves a lot I mean we just and you know I have my exec team call every Wednesday morning and I mean we just we 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 do a check we have a check-in practice at the company like in any meeting we generally just do a check-in and mm-hmm. often it's how we're doing humanly and like work-wise like what's the biggest thing <laughs> and we could all not stop so laughing today we were just on a scale of zero to ten like Mm. who's over COVID right. like oh my gosh yeah. we just and we're all we you know mm-hmm. we're just struggling we're struggling with our kids and summer school and no summer school and no camps and just how we're all managing it and how low our parenting bar <laughs> has gotten so so yes yes, yes. oh that's fantastic yeah. I, it's it's you're so inspiring and and the company that you're building is so inspiring I mean think about it in the days, you know, 20 years ago, did you ever do a check-in with each other? Hey, how's it going? You know, yeah. how are you dealing with your emotions? How's the how's the family going? We've come a long ways. And that's, you guys mm-hmm. will be a, a perfect example of other businesses to come. Well, it's um, really lovely yes. to talk to you both. And it's funny, I feel like we've just been heads down for so long. Like, even, no, we are just in it now. So you're like, oh, we're still in it. How many so, we All right, we just have one okay. last question we ask yeah. everybody. So, you know, the name of our podcast is called yeah. Own Your Throne. And so what does owning your throne mean to you? I really have a model of collaborative ownership. I just... Like I, I really reject the sort of um, I think this myth of the like it's like the myth of, myth of this individualistic CEO. I think we overinflate like individual leaders and companies often and imbue them with like like nothing good gets done in companies. And and, and look, there's a uh, there's a certain tone setting and responsibility leadership, but I think. One of the things I'm proudest of is like the collaborative way that Reese and I and our executive team. So, you know, and then our whole company stands together. And I do think it's it's a model of like we talk about, you know, our mission sort of guides us in everything we do and no individual is more important than our mission. And so owning your throne, I think, means sitting on it with mm, beautiful many other people. And, and I'm very happy to stand in my role in that. But just acknowledging like none of this gets done without like incredible aligned and collaborative teamwork. And I, I'm, I'm really proud of how we have built that. That's so fantastic. You're such a delight and inspiration. Oh, uh, that's really you too, so Sarah. Nice to Thank you. you Thank you for taking time. Yeah, you too. Look, um, 
Yeah. Enjoy the rest. Enjoy your now, holiday weekend. No, no, no. Going out I, I flew in from Sun Valley, <laughs> Idaho, where we were starting to close down too. And I come to LA and it's like the beach is closing. Not I went, closing. What? I live in San Diego. What? It's closing too. Everything's closing. I'm like, what are we going to do for July 4th? And I go, I yeah, guess it's stay inside. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's That's a whole new way of being, but it's yeah. okay. I know. We'll keep people safe. I was going to say. There you go. We'll think of something. Girl, exactly. after my own heart. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Take good Bye. care. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you both. Take care. <laughs> Sarah Harden, what a powerhouse. What and a lovely human being. Such a light. And yeah. I love, I mean, I think this really is the new way of successful companies is collaboration. Mm-hmm. And what she and Reese are building, and I'm excited about the storytelling from the narrative of women and people of color, LGBTQ, you know, com- it's it's amazing the work that they're doing. Yeah, and I thought I thought the most profound well there's so many nuggets in there in this interview it's incredible i really loved how she said we're shining the light for other voices who have been in this fight this experience for so many years and she just feels honored and grateful to have this position and a huge responsibility right i mean you could sense the responsibility that she felt yeah to really do this work and and right. to get these voices out there and the joy and the excitement mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. the playfulness you know whenever we saw sarah in other interviews it was she was you know she's always this very well-poised <laughs> businesswoman and i remember you and i talking about it yesterday and saying we want to see the playful side I, we want well, to you know, know it was you know, funny and she showed it i said to you i go she's australian she's got to be fun <laughs> <laughs> i go australian women are always great well she was great what a delight it was just a really Fantastic. Really great episode. And talking about her, the silver lining for her to be able to connect mm-hmm. with her kids through now, it. You know, that's and, a, and a lot of us are doing that now. Yeah. And Perry, I and she always was, she brought it back to our privilege. Yeah. And really like, okay, so our biggest problem is that we're locked in our homes. At least we have homes. We have right. jobs. I know. You know, Blessing. especially what's going on. Yeah, what's going on in the world. And I thought that was just she yeah. I I felt that she always brought it back to mm-hmm. the bigger whole. Yeah. And that was really That's who she is. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at her definition of own your throne. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just her owning her throne, it was collaboration, community and and Everyone I think rises that's together. Everyone yes. rises together. Yes, all of us. Yeah, it was and, great. And um, boy, that was that was fantastic. Okay, guys. Well, we look forward to seeing you guys or listening to us in our next episode and having you back. Thanks for listening. This podcast was created by Perry and I because we both met at school getting our master's in spiritual psychology, where we learned the tools and techniques to really heal, reclaim, and redefine the second chapters of our lives. And you'll also learn some tools and techniques from our guest. All you have to do is go and subscribe and leave some comments. Let us know what you think about the shows, as well as maybe you have some ideas of other guests that we could have. So enjoy the conversations, and we look forward to hearing from you. And be sure and check out our website, which is ownyourthrone.co. And we have some freebies for you, so be sure and check us out.